Revelation chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. Revelation chapter 2, 8 through 11. We'll read God's words together. Let's begin. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt, by the second death. May God bless his words to our hearts today. Satanic verses in Smyrna. Well, beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, even the mightiest men can fall into sin. We have many examples of the scriptures, but two of them of note are these. First, there was Elijah. Elijah was called one of the great prophets. He even appeared with Moses in the Mount of Transfiguration in the New Testament. But when he faced persecution, when the false prophets were trying to kill him along with Ahab and Jezebel, he ran away and hid. That cowardice was a sin. Then there was a godly prophet who God said, go and prophesy against the wickedness of the people and then go back home. Don't stop. Don't go off the road. Don't turn aside at all. But he faced deception. He was lied to by another prophet who said, well, God changed his mind. An angel told me, you should come into my house and eat bread and drink water. And he was fooled. And so he was killed when he came out from that prophet's house. He was killed by a lion. In short, Elijah abandoned his call when he faced physical threats. And the other prophets abandoned his call when he was deceived. Threats and deceptions. These two things are effective weapons that the devil has always used against the church. When threats don't work, deceptions. You can read a lot about this in the book of Nehemiah when they tried to distract him from rebuilding the temple, the the walls around Jerusalem. And that's what the church in Smyrna faced. So the Lord wanted to adequately prepare the Smyrnians so they would abandon, they would not abandon him when they faced troubles and deceptions, persecution and deceptions. Our headings today are the same as the last time for the commendation, the concern, the challenge. And the comfort. Remember, these bo- the book of Revelation was written to comfort those who were suffering at the hands of the Jews and the Romans. Our goals are that as you receive Christ's assurances of his love, that you will be prepared to fight the threats and the deceptions 
so that the church will continue to shine as lights for Jesus Christ. First of all, the commendations. Well, the name Smyrna means myrrh. It was north. This was a city that was in the north of Ephesus on the Gulf of the Aegean Sea. That's sometimes called the Goat Sea. This was one of the great cities of Asia Minor. And it was a seat of emperor worship with a great temple to Tiberius Caesar. Many of the people in Smyrna were dedicated to this emperor cult or emperor worship. And they burned incense to the emperor there, which, of course, he loved because he had the affection and devotion of the people. Now, Jesus reminded the church in Smyrna of two things before he commended their good deeds. And, and you will see why this is so important. He says that he was the first and the last who was dead and came to life. Those things meant two significant things. First of all, he was eternal. He would live forever. He was the first and the last. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But when he mentioned that he was the one who came to life, that's significant. Because it shows he has all power. Not only will he live forever, but he had all power throughout that time. And wouldn't that be a comfort right away to those who are suffering? Those who are being pushed to, to give up their faith? Those who are being deceived and, and being lured? said, no, no, go back to the one who lives forever and who has all power. So now we come to the commendations. Look at what he says to them. First of all, Jesus knew and commended the Smyrnians for their good works. Good isn't mentioned in the text, but it's implied. They had preached the word faithfully. They had administered the sacraments carefully. They had exercised discipline decisively. That's what makes a church a good church. They had the marks of the church there. And those were the good works that God expects from every church. Faithful preaching, proper sacraments, decisive discipline. Next, Jesus knew and commended the Smyrnans for enduring tribulations on account of their faith. Now, some people endure tribulation because of sin, their own sin, and that's their own fault. But here, simply for believing in Jesus, they were persecuted. And Jesus said, I know, and I commend you for what you are doing. These tribulations, of course, came from the Jews and the Romans, but especially from the Jews who lived in Smyrna. This was an important place because the Jews there had joined with the later martyrdom of Polycarp, one of the ancient church fathers. They wanted him to be eaten by lions, but they were not allowed to. So they eventually burned him. And the Jews carried the wood to burn the Christians. Many of the Smyrnan Christians were beaten and imprisoned and killed. And Jesus saying, I commend you for enduring that. And third, Jesus knew and commended the Smyrnians for enduring poverty. Remember, I said this was a rich city. And in the midst of this rich city, these Christians were poor. Why were they poor? Because they were lazy? No. But the Smyrnians' goods were plundered and their businesses were boycotted because they refused to burn incense to the emperor. And often the goods of the Christians were simply destroyed. 
what the governor wanted um, is that they would take even a pinch of incense and offer it to Caesar, but they would not do so, and that's why they were poor. They didn't have to do much. Just a little to this other God. And the the emperor didn't even say you can't worship Jehovah God. You can worship Jehovah God. He said, just worship me as well. Worship me as a second God. That's okay too. But the Christians refused to do so. And that's why they were commended. But it's interesting that the Lord said something else when he talked about their poverty. He said, yeah, you are poor. I know that. But you are rich. They had riches that would never fade away. Riches that were stored up in heaven. The Moors had gone into this place later and destroyed it. Overrun the city and stole all they could from the people. And yet, it would never take away what they had. By the way, this church continues in Smyrna. They had become rich in faith. They had become rich in love. They had become rich in hope. More, the Bible says that everyone who is a Christian is a king of royal line. Everyone who is a Christian is a priest to the Most High God. Now, the name Myrrh, of course, from Smyrna means bitterness, sadness, sorrow. And yet, they were sweet with good works. They were rich and blessed. They were a fragrant offering before God. People who needed help didn't run to the other people of Smyrna. They went to Christians because they had the flavor of life and kindness. Look at 2 Corinthians in your sermon notes, chapter 6, verse 10. Let's read together. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, and yet possessing all things. That's the sense of the Christian. You don't have to have a lot. You don't have to have the big house and the fancy cars. But you are rich because of what Jesus has given to you. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 18. Together, let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Rich in good works. And that's what you share. Whatever God's given to you, be ready to do so. I was talking to, uh, I got a message today from Pastor Kitongo in Kenya. And he was talking about the uh, money we raised to help some of the pastors there. And one of them they helped was a, a blind man. And he says it's normal that you would help the blind. But he said this blind man was inviting people to his home because he got a little bit. So that he could help to feed them. In his poverty, good works were flowing. Did he have a lot to give? No. But look at the way God works. So there are some lessons for us. Your God is the only true God in all the earth. And your God is eternal and your God is all-powerful. Receive this truth and all your worries are gone. Whether you live or die, you are the Lord's and you will receive in fullness the riches of heaven. You don't need to worry. You don't need to panic. Not for your health, not for your wealth, not about the future. Because they are in the hands of God. Second, Jesus knows everything about you. 
He knows every good thing you do and has a, a record to reward you in due course. Nothing escapes him. Other people might not know, but he knows. And in a way, there are many more pressures on us in society today. The world is becoming more antagonistic towards Christianity and truth. Even the church is compromised. You will see more about this. But don't give in, thirdly, to the compromise. Don't avoid disciplining your children to please the government. The government says you shouldn't do this, this, and this. But you have to honor God. You don't have to compromise with the government. Don't acknowledge the validity of murdering children to get government grants. That's what uh, Prime Minister Trudeau's government did. You want summer grants? Acknowledge you support abortions. Don't accept perverted lifestyle as a legitimate alternative to get a job. Perversion is perversion, and you need to recognize it that way. Now, you don't go around announcing that and antagonize people, but if you are confronted with that, what is your view on perversion? You need to speak the truth. Oh, it might make you lose a job or get a promotion, but that's Christian living. That'll determine whether you truly believe in Jesus or not. Don't accept socialism as a means, a good means to make everything equal for the underprivileged. You need to say God has given us the responsibility of caring for the poor and the needy, and we will do it. And do it. You are a hypocrite if you say, I oppose socialism, but you don't help others in need. You don't care for the poor and the needy. Because on one hand, you don't want the government to take your money away and help them, but you don't want to help them yourself. God expects you to show kindness to others. Now, that's the first thing, the commendation for their faithfulness. But God had a concern. What was that concern? Our second point, I know the blasphemy of those who say they're Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Like the church in Ephesus, they were pretenders creeping into the church at Smyrna and causing troubles. And these people were from Satan's church. Satan has a church. And these were pretending to be real Jewish Christians, but were preaching Satan's lies. You know, Satan's people don't have a general way of meeting together, uh, like a church service. Now, yeah, some of them in parliament and so on sometimes because of all the bad things that are passed there. But he doesn't have an official church but he has people working for him. And they creep into other churches and they spew their lies. You know, the true Jew is one who believed, as Abraham did, and as Moses did, both having faith in Jesus Christ. But these were not. Look at what the Romans chapter 12, 2, verse 12, 28 says. Together, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. That means you're not a Jew if you're only only circumcised. You have to be circumcised in the heart. And that's the true Jew. So these people who were coming in here, they were fake Jews. They were fake Christians. And just as 
the, uh, Jesus has his true church, so the devil has his own church. And the goal of the devil's church is what? What's the goal of Christians? To conquer the world for Jesus. What's the goal of the devil? To conquer the Christians for the devil. He's got the others. And his goal is to conquer Christians. And he will use whatever means necessary. One, he said persecution, but then he can also use deception. Remember Ahab, and then remember the false prophet. And that's what was happening here. Look at John chapter 8, verse 44. And again, you remember the persecution primarily came from the Jews first, and then the Romans joined in. 844 together. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He is a liar and the father of it. The devil is the father of lies. And guess what the children are going, his children are going to do. The unique thing about the devil's church is that it pretends to be worshiping the true God while preaching falsehoods. And that's what makes the devil's church very dangerous. But what could one expect from the father of lies with his satanic verses? He speaks these sweet songs. But lies can be sweet, but deadly. People can tell you, oh, everything's okay. Brother Max didn't deal with what the doctor said, or they lied to him. Imagine his condition today. But they spoke the truth. And then he's able to deal with it. It would be nice to hear everything's okay. You don't have to worry about anything. And you go about life until he really got sick and then he couldn't recover. That's what we hear often. Now here's an important lesson about the concerns about those who were spreading these satanic lies in Smyrna. Be aware of false teachings today pushed in churches. Learn about those who are promoting a watered down Uh, a watering down of worship. They want to make it more appealing to others. Stay away from them. Watch it for those who ignore psalm singing. And it's not simply just uh, talking about psalms. It's what those psalms represent. The whole work of God. Not just the love of God, but the justice of God. God gave us and commanded the singing of the psalms in many places. It's all, most of the songs are based on Barney. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. That's not the gospel. It's about justice. It's about love, but it's about justice as well. You know, many churches too, you're being told to talk less about sin. Because you hear that the biggest problem is a lack of self-esteem. No, the problem is sin. Instead of sin, one of the other things you hear about be self-affirmation. That you are fulfilled in yourself. That you are the best you could be. And that's life-affirming decisions. Whatever decisions, as long as you're convinced in your heart is the right thing, that's okay. That's the compromise. 
women in leadership in the church when the Bible says that don't permit a woman to have authority over a man. Leadership position are instead how many churches today have no regard for God's law in how it is run. Satanic verses seem sweet, but they undermine the strength of the church while keeping the shell. Right? You look popular. You look like you're up with the times because you have a female leadership and the worship is about people rather than about God. You see, to me, the greatest danger the church faces is not from the Trudeau government or from the Ford government. It's from inside. Well, we have weakened ourselves. We've compromised the gospel because we want to look like the world. We want to fit in. We want people to think we're okay. Adultery within the church is rampant. We need to remember God's word. Remember his concern. So what did God challenge them to do? Our third point. Do not fear. Don't fear the persecution. Don't fear those who are deceiving you. In fact, the Lord says, there are more challenges that are coming. I thought, of all the things the Lord could say, he's saying, oh, you've suffered so much. And he says, there's more coming. There's more coming from other sources as well. But he told them they were not to fear. Remember what he said at the beginning? I am the first and the last, and I've got all power to raise up the dead. You see why he said that at the beginning? They were going to go through some more difficult times. And he's saying, remember who your God is. And some of the Smyrnans would be put in cold, dark, disease-infested prisons. But they were not to fear or give in. You think of that brother we just read, talked about in Pakistan, Zafar, who was there for blasphemy. You notice one of the lines I underline in the text is that his faith remains strong. We just sang from that song, that last song, about those who are in prisons. Well, maybe the Lord sends Christians to prison so they can evangelize those who are in prison, those who are trapped there. So they were not to fear or to give in. The trials were indeed to test and to prove that they really loved and served Jesus Christ and would be the ground of their rewards for their suffering. So regardless of what suffering they faced, they had that assurance. And yet the Lord didn't say, oh, this is going to continue forever. He says these things will continue 10 days. What does that mean? It means there's an end date. It means they won't last forever. There's a limit. So there was hope. So that's the challenge. Don't fear. Are there lessons for us on this third point? Yes, there are. A couple of them. One, let me ask you this very bluntly. Are you willing to die for Jesus and show your love for him? Or maybe you're not called to die in this land. In many places you are. But are you willing to lose your home? Suppose you have to give up your home. Suppose you have to give up your job for Jesus. Your boss is asking you to do something that is contrary or to acknowledge support for something wicked and you have to leave. Would you? Suppose you have to give up your business for Jesus. Would you be willing to do so? Would it tear your heart open if people were to burn down your house? Would it tear you up 
would you have to go on antidepressants if your house burns down? Think about your love for Jesus. Don't fear the things that are around you. The Lord is saving up your reward in heaven that none can take away. But there's an important thing uh, as well, and it's this. How you suffer is no less significant than the suffering itself. You know, some people suffer and they complain the whole time. But when you have faith in Jesus and the way you suffer, you suffer knowing this is not what I want. No one enjoys suffering. And you shouldn't be saying, please let me suffer. You don't do that either. But if God brings sickness or persecution or unemployment, marriage breakup, struggles with children, if you have all of those things, how you suffer these things is also important. Because you're showing the confidence you have in your Savior. And then the Lord gave them a comfort. Verse 10. Be faithful until death and I'll give you the crown of life. Jesus told the Smyrnans that they would receive a reward if they remained faithful throughout their present and their coming ordeals. Remember, he had eternal power. And he was able to do what he promised. What was this reward? He says, I'll give you a crown of life. A life that would never end. Now the church in Smyrna is mentioned still around today. The crown of life is is a picture drawn from the rewards in two ways. You would have the crown of life. If you were an athlete in the Olympics and you won, you got the laurel, the wreath, the crown on your head. But Caesar also wore that. And what the Lord was saying, I am the one who will give you the crown that will last forever. Not that olive branch that withers up or whatever they use for making them, and then they wither up and die. But the one that will last. That's why you need to keep your trust in me and endure the troubles of your life. Remember when Jesus was speaking to the Ephesians, he, he said that they would get the tree of life, which was a picture of the golden lampstand that he was talking about. Now he told the Smyrnans that they would get a crown of life as he was talking about emperor worship. So the Lord was just simply using different illustrations to speak of the same reward. Look at James chapter 1 verse 12 now. Together, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So that's the same language. If the Sumerians then would continue to endure their persecution, if they would endure their poverty, if they would deal with those who were trying to deceive them, they would receive that crown of life. And then that interesting verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. As with the other churches, Jesus challenged the Smyrnians to listen carefully to what he was saying. As opposed to the Jews who were coming in with their lies. From that synagogue of Satan. And because the reward is a crown of life. The Smyrnians, like all Christians, would not have to face that horrible second death 
that non-Christians will have to face. After this death, after they die, they would be immediately translated into that perfect life that would never end. And in that place, no one would be able to harm them, for there they would be in the presence of Jesus Christ forever. No wonder they could say hallelujah, praise God. Three lessons here. First of all, don't work for the world's approval or acclaim. Work for Jesus and the eternal reward he has promised. This is what will bring blessings in this life, and this is what will bring blessings in the world to come. Second, don't be disappointed if the work you do in this life is ignored by people. If you raise godly children and are ignored, don't be surprised. The world doesn't think that that is an important thing. If you're faithful to your spouse, the world doesn't care about that. But God does. And he watches. And he will reward. If you worship the Lord each Sabbath, you might look foolish to the world. They will say, why are you giving up every Sunday for church? That's okay. You aren't living for the world. And they might not approve, but you're living for the one who saved you. If you buy your clothes at Value Village so you can support suffering Christians overseas, smile when the world teases you because you're doing something far more important that they can never get. They can't get it. But you're not living for them. So don't be disappointed if people don't recognize the work you are doing for Jesus. And then third, long for heaven. There will be eternal rest there. While you remain in this world, you have work to do. But always keep at the back of your mind the joy of heaven that you'll desire to be there. Let's conclude. Jesus knew the internal and external tribulations of the Smyrnians. He knew of their deep poverty. He knew of their tribulations that were coming. He knew the false teachers and the lies that they were spreading. He knew that the Romans would put them in prisons and even kill them. So Jesus encouraged them to face, to continue to face their troubles. He reminded them that he was always with them as their eternal God and as their all-powerful God. He reminded them that they too would live eternally with plenty one day. I can only imagine how often they read this book. You know, when Nero was rounding up people and burning them in his garden, putting them in wax, they had to read this back and see, yeah, I remember what Jesus said. I remember what he said. I can face that difficulty. You see, Christ's words gave them hope. Christ's words gave them comfort. So, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, Christ's word is what keeps the persecuted church enduring when the Muslims of Saudi Arabia cut off the heads of the one who has become a Christian. This is what keeps, uh, what keeps Christians going when the government and the courts in Egypt and Sri Lanka and Iran And India desperately tried to ban conversions. This is what keeps the Christians in Nigeria going when their houses and church buildings are burned down by the Fulani Muslims and the Boko Haram Muslims and the Al-Shabaab Muslims. 
And this is what will keep you facing the threats from the civil authorities for what you teach your children and how you discipline your children. Or for when you oppose the indoctrination of your children. Yeah, you might lose a job, you might lose a promotion, you might not be allowed to bid on government contracts, or you're denied acceptance into universities. But when you, when you don't acknowledge religious uh, and alternative lifestyles as valid, but know what Jesus said, you are rich. You're rich with love and hope and faith. And you are rich with rewards that are waiting for you in heaven. So face these challenges. Jobs you think God can provide for you. He said, I'll provide for you a feasting table in the middle of the desert. And he did. The second thing you need to do is to watch out for pop preaching. This is in a way, as he said, is more dangerous than we realize. There are too many who want the church to remain but take the power of the gospel out of it. This is why they shy away from preaching about sin and hell. And they water down worship. They simply try to make worship about man. And the church has become a social organization. You need to fight these people. That's right. Fight them. They're simply trying to make worship about man and not about God. That's why you must fight. They're robbing God. These are indeed fighting for Satan. These are actually spreading the satanic verses. These are the snakes in the church. Third, the way to conquer the enemy of the church is to preach and support the preaching of the gospel to them. So how well are you working to conquer the enemies of God's people? Remember, to defend is to lose. We're not told to hide behind the walls, but to go out and conquer the world. Christ shall have what? Dominion where? Over land and sea, earth's remotest regions, shall his empire be. You can't conquer the world hiding in your home or trying to be friends with everyone and not ruffle some feathers. Let them hear the truth from you. And finally, maybe you're not a persecutor of the church, but you will receive no heaven or heavenly rewards outside of God's church. You need to see that you need God's salvation and believe in Jesus Christ and then show that belief by being joined to his church. Let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given us your word to reflect on today. We pray that we will stand boldly against those who would persecute us. Yes, we are thankful that persecution is not as severe here as it is in other places. And we pray for those who suffer that you will strengthen them. But we also know we are facing pressures increasing from the state and from the school and sometimes from our circle of family and friends and even from those who have gone weak in the church. Let us hold firmly to truth and stand up for Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.